The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. LinkedIn presents... Studies where people look up into the trees or take in vast views or think about somebody who's morally inspiring find that little brief experiences of awe calm your stress response, make you feel more connected and less lonely with other people, reduce depression, reduce PTSD symptoms in veterans, and also are good for your cardiovascular health and your immune system. Awe is good for you. Hey there, Next Big Idea Daily listeners. I'm Michael Kovnett, and I'm wondering, how's your summer going? Have you managed to avoid flooding, heat waves, the choking blankets of smoke from forest fires? If so, you're doing pretty well. You might want to check out yesterday's episode for tips from David Pogue on how to prepare for climate change. But even before the weather went off the rails, summer has long been a season of extremes, high temperatures and humidity, and for many, a time of relaxation and rejuvenation. More time outside for a lot of us, more chances to gaze up at the night sky, more opportunities to experience awe. Now, awe is one of those words that's hard to get your hands around. That feeling of wonder, respect, reverence in the face of something larger than ourselves, it's surely one of our most treasured emotions, but we trivialize it. Calling something awesome has become a banal way to say you like it. Our guest today is Dacher Keltner, a psychology professor at UC Berkeley who spent decades studying awe and other emotions. His new book is called Awe, The New Science of Everyday Wonder and How It Can Transform Your Life. And he's here to tell us just that. Hi, this is Dacher Keltner from the University of California at Berkeley. I've studied awe for 15 to 20 years scientifically, and in writing this book, I looked at its cultural history, its evolutionary history, and then Because awe is such a mysterious emotion, I interviewed all kinds of people from prisoners to environmental activists to indigenous scholars to professional basketball coaches. What is awe? Awe is considered by many from Descartes to Einstein a basic state of mind, yet it is so hard to define. It is, as William James, the great philosopher, said, ineffable. It's hard to put to words. Um, So the science reveals Our first insight, which is really the awe checklist. How do you know you're feeling awe, right? Well, you experience these particular qualities. You will know that something is vast and mysterious that you're appreciating. Your sense of self will be small. That actually is registered in the deactivation of the default mode network where the ego resides in the brain. You will feel humble and quiet. You may vocalize a universal sound of awe, whoa. And then your body gets into the act what Walt Whitman called the body of the soul. You may tear up when you encounter awe. You get the goosebumps, a particular kind of tingles that is associated with what people now call ASMR. And your heart may feel warm, which is really the activation of the vagus nerve. So the first insight is awe is identifiable. There's a checklist of experiences and body symptoms that we can identify when we feel awe. Awe is good for you. In fact, I teach happiness to thousands of people every year, and it's hard to find something that is better for you in terms of your body and your mind 
than finding a little bit of awe. Studies where people look up into the trees or take in vast views or think about somebody who's morally inspiring find that little brief experiences of awe calm your stress response, make you feel more connected and less lonely with other people, reduce depression, reduce PTSD symptoms in veterans, and also are good for your cardiovascular health and your immune system. Awe is good for you. As Ralph Waldo Emerson said in one of his big awe experiences on a cold day out on a commons in Massachusetts, there is nothing that nature, in this case awe, cannot repair. Awe is good for you. Where do we find awe? Where do we enjoy its many benefits? We gathered stories of awe from 26 countries of every kind of religion and economic development and political structure and sense of self and religiosity. They wrote about what they felt was vast and mysterious. We had speakers of 20 languages at UC Berkeley translate these stories. It took a couple of years. And then we classified them into the eight wonders of life. You find awe in moral beauty, in other people's kindness and courage and, and ability to overcome obstacles. You find awe in nature. You find awe in collective movement. Emil Durkheim, the great sociologist, felt that this collective synchronized movement is really the core to religion because it activates these feelings of awe. And in fact, people find awe when they dance, when they cheer for sports teams, when they're doing rituals and religious ceremonies and the like. Find it in collective movement. The next three uh, wonders of life are music, which is, of course, a long-standing source of awe. We've been making music for 80 to 100,000 years as a species, and our chanting and our singing and the electric guitars and the symphonies and the, the lullabies bring us awe. Uh, one of the people who I interviewed called it the feeling of a cashmere blanket of sound when we feel awe at music. Visual design is another wonder of life. You know, great paintings, Berlin street art, a children's psychedelic paintings or whatever it is, brings us awe. Of course, the sixth is probably what you would expect, which is spirituality. You know, the great insights of the Buddha and Arjun in Hinduism and St. Paul on the road to Damascus and indigenous traditions. Just the ecstatic, mystical experience. Uh, and then finally, two rather surprising wonders of life for you to think about. Big ideas. We had a student from Japan in a natural history museum just being astounded, like Ralph Waldo Emerson was, at the evolution of life, like Charles Darwin was when he figured out, through awe experiences, the process of natural selection. And then finally, our eighth wonder of life is the beginning of life and its end. Watching people come into the world, and then watching people go is a remarkable source of awe. Eight wonders of life that you can find this really incredible emotion. Awe is transformative. It will change your life. You know, I love asking people, and you can think about this yourself, you know, in groups of people, um, tell me about a time when you had awe at a music experience or a concert where it really changed your life, where it really spoke to you, where it really revealed something fundamental about your identity, about who you are, what your point of living is. And you know, after a while, people start to volunteer stories of, you know, seeing um, Peter Gabriel or New Kids on the Block or at a hip hop show, and they start tearing up and, and almost 
quivering at the the sense of of epiphany and discovery and transformation that music and awe can bring about. And that is because I believe that awe's point is to point us to, is to reveal to us the big systems of life, right? The ecosystems and the social systems and the cultural meaning systems and the moral systems and the biological systems around us, the solar systems. It reveals to us the deep structure of the world when we feel awe. And then we start to transform. We transform in our sense of self. We transform in our understanding of the world. We transform in our sense of mystery about the world. We become, as Jane Goodall said, amazed at things outside of ourselves. I wrote this book, Awe, The New Science of Everyday Wonder and How It Can Transform Your Life, when I was in search of transformation. I had watched my brother Rolf um, succumb to colon cancer, which was brutal and horrifying. And in the aftermath, uh, in the grief, I felt all this. I felt adrift, um, without a purpose. I was waking up, I was stressed out, depressed, anxious, very confused. And I went in search of awe. I had an awe mindset of approaching mystery, going to where things I have questions about, seeking out the unknown, being a little bit more open to wandering and wondering about things. And what I can tell you is that experience, that pursuit of awe transformed my life. It uh, didn't teach me the final answers about the beginning and end of life or why my brother passed, but it taught me what Lao Tzu said in the Tao Te Ching, the great book that um, I was lucky enough for my dad to give me, that really wonder into wonder our existence and life unfolds, that life is about one mystery after another, and awe leads us on that journey. So there you have it, listeners. Why not see if you can inject some awe into your summer? Go out and look at the stars. Let yourself really sink into that one piece of music. You can do it on your own, or even better, with a friend. Friendship is one of the great pleasures of life and of summer, and frankly, most of us don't prioritize it enough. Come back tomorrow when we'll hear from Smiley Pozwalski, the author of Friendship in the Age of Loneliness, An Optimist's Guide to Connection. Speaking of connection, you can connect with me by signing up for my newsletter using the link in the episode notes. Or you can connect with a whole community of like-minded, life-changing people by joining the Next Big Idea Club. We'll send you a selection of the best nonfiction chosen for you by our curators, Adam Grant, Malcolm Gladwell, Susan Kane, and Daniel Pink. Just go to nextbigideaclub.com and use code DAILY for a special discount. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.